So this morning, I, um, I really felt, well, I was asked by Francois, so I did feel, but so he was like, what do you feel? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've preached quite a bit in the last while, and pretty much everything that's coming out lately is about serving and, you know, hospitality and things like that. So right now, I feel like I'm in a season where the Lord is speaking to me about these things. So this morning, I'm going to share a word that I've entitled, Blessed to be a Blessing. So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 18, and we're going to read from verse 1 to 8. So I'm going to get my stuff here. So let's read together. And the Lord appeared to him, that is Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. And said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. While I bring a morsel of bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abram went quickly into the tent to Sarah and said, quick, three shares of fine flour kneaded and make cakes. And Abram ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. I still don't know how that happens quickly. Anybody that has put a roast in the oven, you'll know it takes some time. But how do you hold a whole calf? You know, I don't know how you do it, but quickly. So um, clearly they had, they had wonderful ways of doing it there or supernaturally cooking that meat. Then he took curds and milk and the calf and that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. So what do we see here? We meet Abraham, and um, Abraham is called the father of our faith. Don't forget that. You know, we all sang that little song, Father Abraham had many sons. So each one of us, we can learn from Abraham. So I want to take a lesson from the life of Abraham, the father of our faith, because Abraham believed God, the Bible said, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So what is it that Abraham had done? So God called him out of Ur, of the Chaldeas, and into a land that God will show him. I mean, this is already by faith, that he is moving from his homeland, from where he was born. And God says, don't worry, I will show you a land that I want to take you to. Basically, Abraham was going to be a testimony, a sign and a symbol of God in the midst of those who did not know God. So God was leading Abraham into an unknown place. You see, Abraham wasn't always the perfect example that we think. There were these uh, two incidents that we see in the Bible where he passed off his wife as his sister to another man or to two other men, basically, uh, because he, of self-preservation. So Abraham didn't not make mistakes. He made mistakes. He was a person just like you and me, but he constantly had to be led by God. Sometimes he lived brilliantly, and in this case, he did live brilliantly, and this, he lived hospitable, and this is what I want to look at. 
first thing I want to bring to our attention this morning is Abraham did not know in the beginning that he was entertaining angels. I want you to see it from the scriptures this morning. He did not know that this was Jesus himself. Okay. He didn't know that at first. He only discovered that much later. It's on the other side of his act of hospitality. Once he's become hospitable to them, that he realized that he's actually entertaining angels. And his hospitality, I want to say this to you as well, is that in his culture, so Abraham comes from a culture called a Bedouin culture. So they used to do, they used to being hospitable. And I don't want to divert, but if I want to bring your attention quickly just to one little thing in Psalm 23. When, when God says this in Psalm 23, that he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemy. If I ran away from an enemy and I ran into a Bedouin's tent, and if that Bedouin didn't kill me immediately, and he said to me, sit down and eat then that meant he was going to fight on my behalf. So that's what it means to prepare a table in the presence of your enemy. So God's not killing us. He says, come and sit and eat. Come boldly into the throne room of grace this morning. I feel like I need to say this to somebody. Because you're afraid to enter into the tent. You're afraid to enter into the presence of the Lord because you're afraid that he might strike you dead. But he says, come and sit at the table and I'll fight your battle for you. I want to say this to you. This is not on my notes, but I feel the Holy Spirit is saying, I will fight your battle for you. Come and sit at my table that I've prepared for you. Okay. So that's the culture that he comes from. So he's used to being, this is the protocol of a Bedouin. It becomes plain that these Men, after he shows his hospitality, it becomes plain that they indeed are divine visitors. Let's look at the opening line. It says, and the Lord appeared to him by the oaks. You can actually leave it up there, verse 1. The Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. This actually, I want to say to you, is the conclusion of the story. This actually is the conclusion of the story, not the introduction of the story. When the scene opens, Abraham actually sees three men. And how is Abraham positioned? He's sitting by the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He's waiting. He's waiting for something to happen. He's ready. So he sees three men on the horizon. That's, his, that's the first thing. Even when he calls him, oh Lord, I think in verse 3, yeah, oh Lord, even when he calls, it's actually a different word from what the story's narrator, the one that's telling the story to us, which is Moses that wrote this, used to identify these visitors of God. So it's not the narrator actually, the one that wrote this, identifies the men collectively. We see that word there as Yahweh. But it's not the word that Abraham actually used. He uses a different word. He uses the word Adon, which we get master from, or Adonai, 
We get that from there. But he uses the word Adon. Okay. And let me explain. It's quite, yeah. He uses this. It's a term sometimes used for God, like I said, Adonai, but also a term used of respect for a man of stature and power. Because he didn't know this was God. So he couldn't call him Yahweh at that stage. He couldn't call him. So he just respected them and called them Adon. Adon was a form of address of a slave or a servant would use to his master. He doesn't know who they are, but he takes the lowly position of a servant, of a slave, and that's what he's calling them, masters, gentlemen in our terms. That's his posture immediately. He's not like, wait, hey, what are you guys doing here? You're on my land. No. Because that's what Western culture will do. What are you doing in my garden? Hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A farmer with a gun. He, no. No. He takes the posture of a slave towards a master and say, my Adon, masters. That's what he says there. It's his, it's his approach, his positioning. Can I say this? I want to, for those that like to study the Word of God, this is quite interesting. And some of the scholars out there who likes to read deeper into the Bible, who likes to, some, some, I'm going to give you some random facts right now. So if it's like some people will go, whoa, what did he just say? And some people will go, yes. You know, Les will go, yes, I'm going to study that now, definitely. So it's interesting that it's three men, first and foremost. So uh, any pre-incarnation of Jesus in the Old Testament, we call a theophany. So Jesus appeared in the Old Testament a few times, and they called theophanies. So some scholars want to say this is a Trinitarian theophany because it represents the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three men that came towards them. So that's like totally, some people are like, what did he just say? Go listen to it again and then go read up on it. It's quite interesting because this is the first time that we're not just seeing Jesus appearing once. We're seeing three men. I'm not saying the other two men, they were angels, but one was definitely Jesus that appeared to Abraham. Okay. But he didn't know this. Abraham didn't know this. I think initially Abraham knows he's welcoming he's welcoming any more than mere men. Important men, yes. He calls them lords or sirs, but just men until he sees them. Go back to verse 2, please. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, he saw. He saw them. He saw them for the first time. It's like his eyes opened to who he is entertaining. He's actually seeing that this is Jesus standing. Jesus came to visit him. And Jesus comes to visit you. Do you see him? Are you ready? Are you ready to receive him? Abraham was. When he saw, he sees these men clearly. 
actual fact, from a distance, because he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. And I want to say that in a story like this, every sentence, every detail counts. So let's look at, at the door of his tent, because it's very significant. Abraham is neither inside his tent, neither outside his tent. He's sitting at the door. He's both in and he's both out. Abraham inhabits two worlds. That's a good posture to have in hospitality. You're not locked up. You know, I remember my dad. We grew up in a Christian home, very traditional. And I remember that the deacons used to come and collect money at our, at our house, you know. My dad could spot them because they would first come from the church and we lived about a block away from the church. So my dad would spot them, run into the house, lock all the doors, pull down the blinds and say, be quiet. Because I don't have bucks on me. Like for real. We were hiding. So there's nothing hospitable about my father in that stage. He wasn't welcoming anybody in. There was no need to pick water and to give it. No, nothing. There was nothing. We didn't even have bucks to give them. But Abraham is living in these two worlds, basically. He's not inside his tent, not hiding, but he's ready waiting. He's actually seeing what is approaching, what is coming towards him. See, that's a good posture to have. At home, but facing the world, ready to entertain strangers. The Greek word for hospitality is philoxenia, which is to love the stranger. That's what it means. Just look at the preceding chapters. Let's, let's see how, how Abraham was set up to be in this position. So in chapter 15, if you go read chapter 15, God's forming a covenant with Abraham. In chapter 16, Abraham and Sarah has their own little effort, you know. We all try and do that. God makes a covenant with us. God says, this is going to happen. This is the promises. Then we try and make our own promises happening. Because we lean on our own understanding and we don't trust in the Lord. But God, nothing's happening. We're getting a little bit old here. Got to make this work now. And why? Because we're anxious. Anxiety drives us to self-effort. And in chapter 17, it tells us God's command to Abraham to seal and mark the covenant with circumcision. And then we get to chapter 18, where we are now, is basically embedded in the context of covenant the way that God is making covenant with Abraham and with his people. This is God's intent with his covenant. It's twofold. Let's read quickly in chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. That is the twofold part to this. God's blessing so that you can become a blessing. Oh, God's blessed us this month. Well, then use it. I was joking the other day, one of our friends from Durbanville came to visit us. And um, so my, um, I'm telling her about the house that we live in. 
And we thank the Lord for this house that he's given us and such a big house and everything. And that coming weekend, we were going to have some people over from, uh, from Oetseren because it was that whole hockey weekend. And um, it's already five, four people plus us, four, eight in the house, you know, and everything. And as I'm saying it to her, my wife walks in and she goes, hey, babes, there's more people coming to live with us that weekend, about three or four more coming. And I'm like, my whole body wants to clutch out, and I'm like, I'm, 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 I want to go into, into work mode. I want to go into make a Ishmael mode. I want to just, man, I want to, I don't know what to do. <laughs> My wife's like, hey, there's space. I just bragged about the space and how God's blessed me. <laughs> and I'm tested on it. So I look at Nicole, and I go, I guess I'm having more people in my house. <laughs> I can't even say no to my wife. But that's what we do. God blesses us, and then we keep the blessing for ourselves. Abraham is not that man. He knows and he understands because God has blessed me. The twofold thing is, I will bless those who bless you, and those who dishonor you will curse. And if you are the families of the earth, shall be blessed in all the families. So basically, God has blessed you and me to be a blessing. I love it to, and this is not a, this is not a brag, this is a, a testimony. The other day, we're standing in a shop, and, and I've done this a few times, but again, my wife, you know, God uses your wives, so listen to your wives. Okay, it's that kind of time in the month, we don't have much. I'm counting the pennies, you know, he still need to go to 412, he still need to do this, and electricity has gone up, you know, and all of the things, and I'm standing there, my wife walks up to me, I'm buying two packets of bacon, that's all I'm buying, she walks up to me, she says, I want to pay for that guy's food, what's in his trolley? I go, what's in his trolley? <laughs> like, what's in his trolley? Like, my wife is just like, by faith, I'm buying that, I'm paying for it, so now my wife's like, uh, I'm like, so go tell the old man that you're going to pay for his stuff. So he goes, no, you need to. <laughs> like, it wasn't my idea. <laughs> so there's two people in front of me, and then he's standing there. He's the first guy now in the line. He's need to go pay. So I walk past him. I go, sorry, sorry, I'm not skipping the line. I'm not skipping the line. I go, sir, I need to pay for your, uh, for your trolley. He looks at me for most probably felt like 30 seconds with eyes this big, and he just stared at me. And I go, so I need to pay for those things. <laughs> so he goes, why? <laughs> yeah, my wife said so. <laughs> I listened to my wife. <laughs> my wife said so. <laughs> the Lord said to my wife. <laughs> so I said, because God wants to. Because he can. He can be a blessing. I can be a blessing because he's blessed me. And this man goes, but it's not my birthday. It's not Christmas. So I said, I don't care. God still loves you. So now we're walking. Now these two people are like behind. I'm, I'm thinking, what are they thinking? Why well, I'm not paying for theirs as well. You know, like, so I'm like, I'm not using this to skip the line. They're like, no, 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 go, 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 you know. Me with my two packets of bacon. So I'm standing there. He goes, can I pay for your bacon? 
I said, no, 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 it's perfectly fine. I'll pay for my bacon and I'll pay for your stuff. And um, just that blessing. And then he asked me again, he said, why? I said, sir, because Jesus loves you. That's why. Jesus has died for you. That's all. I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why God is so random to stand in the middle of spar that I need to single you out. I don't know why. But that's God's provision. It's God's way of doing it. Bless you. Because God's blessed me. I want to bless you. Okay. Do stuff like that. Do random stuff like that. Be a blessing. Sometimes in the most awkward places. Find times to be a blessing to people. Find it. I almost feel like, yo man, why am I speaking prophetically this morning? Seriously. Let's be... Let's not plan these things. Okay. So, blessed to be a blessing. It's all about blessing. To bless the man. God wants to bless the man. To make the man a blessing. And Abraham is ready. Abraham is ready in chapter 18 to be a blessing. Perhaps he's been sitting there at the entrance of his tent for a while now. He's just waiting for the opportunity to arrive to be a blessing. And when that opportunity arose, he's ready. He's there. He sees. He ran. He acts. It's not a passive thing where you just sit on your blessed assurance. You know? You know your blessed assurance. <laughs> Jesus is mine. You know? But we sit on our blessed assurance, and that's what we do. And this morning we were talking in the, in, the, in the elders group as well. It's not a passive thing. Faith is not a passive thing. It's an active thing because we walk by faith. We don't sit by faith. We walk by faith every single day. Every step that we take, the Lord says that wherever your foot shall tread, I will give you. Okay. He's ready and he acts. Either way, if he just woke up or just showed up, He's been there, or he's been there for a while, but he's there to be a blessing. And he's sitting between these two worlds. He's, he's a blessing to his house, and he's a blessing to the world. Okay. Then the second thing that we see in that scripture is in the heat of the day. Now, my friends, I've lived in Oceran for eight years. I understand the heat of the day. When Oceran is 47 degrees, you hide in your room, you close all the doors, you literally close all the doors, you switch on the aircon, you leave it at 18, for three days, that thing keeps on running. You don't come out of the house, you don't walk anywhere, nothing. That's 47. These oaks are living in the desert. This might be 52 or 55. He's sitting there in the heat of the day. It's uncomfortable. Sometimes... Hospitality will call you to uncomfortable things. When is it uncomfortable for us? Most probably tonight, 8 o'clock, when the power goes off, somebody after church wants to come and talk to you, and God says, give him a meal. That's uncomfortable. That's the heat of the day now. No matter gets braai. All it's eight. Do something. I'm going to make a plan. But I've got to be ready to be hospitable towards somebody. It's not always easy. Hospitality isn't always a perfect plan. There's never a perfect plan. I promise you, in the kingdom of God, there's never these perfect moments. 
unexpectedly somebody just comes. Unexpectedly somebody just rocks up at your door and you can be a blessing and you're ready to be a blessing to them. See, this is Abram's culture. Look, let's look at Psalm 32, verse 4. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. <laughs> That's it. That's where Abraham is sitting. His strength is dried up by the heat of summer. It's heavy. The sun's beating down on him. Something interesting to note as well. That this whole scene, this, this hospitality that's happening many years later, about 80 kilometers from where Abraham is sitting, just 80 kilometers, a Samaritan woman was shocked at Jesus' request for hospitality in the heat of the day in John chapter 4 when he asked for water. Jesus in the New Testament in John 4 asked for water, also in the heat of the day. She's shocked that he's asking but she's ready. She's ready to give him some water. Are you ready to wait upon the Lord? Are you ready to wait upon his people? Are you ready? See, in Abraham's culture, no one is looking to play host when the sun is relentless and beating down on them, except Abraham. Abraham was paying attention I want to ask you, are you paying attention? Hoping that someone would come so that you could be a blessing. Are you ready to be a blessing? Why can I say that we can be, we can be a blessing? Because of 2 Peter chapter 1 and Ephesians. Look at this. His divine power has granted to us as born-again believers... All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Everything for this life and to live a godly life. God has given us everything. All. I've looked up that word all. It means all. <laughs> In the Greek and the Hebrew most probably. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, not going to bless us, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. None of us are with an excuse. If you're a born-again Christian this morning, God has blessed you. You have been blessed. Ready. Now you need to be ready to be a blessing. And as we see in the rest of the story, Abraham wasn't disappointed. The three men of whom he showers, on whom he showers blessings, the three strangers he show extravagant hospitality towards turn out to be the Lord himself. Let's look at Matthew 25 quickly. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you, a stranger, and welcomed you, or naked and clothed you? 
And when did we see you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. To the least. This should happen daily. We should be a people waiting by the door, waiting who we can be a blessing to. In the heat of the day, even when it's uncomfortable, but it requires a spirit of hospitality, a posture of the heart to serve others. The way that he positioned himself and he said, my lords, like he would address, a slave would address a master. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 and 14 says this, serve one another. And that word serve in the original Greek is the word doulos, which means slave. Our ESV Bibles have translated the word doulos into bondservant. But the real meaning of the word is always slave. Always. Slave has just got a very bad connotation in the American context. And even here, in Africa. It's a horrible context. But in the biblical context, we must understand that because he bought me, I belong to him. I'm so glad that Michael prayed that prayer because he paid a price. Jesus paid a price. I belong to him. So if he bought me, then he can do with me whatever he wants to. Jesus says that a slave or a servant is always where his master is. I've got to wait upon him. And if he says, this is what I want, I've got to be ready to serve him and serve his people. Another, another way of serving one another, the word means to wait upon, like a waiter. And I go, Michael, how can I be your slave? Try and say that to somebody. They look at you like you're totally weird. But how can I be your slave, Billy? What can I do for you that will make life easier for you? He's going to say, pay my bills and full better. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> what can I do? And that must be the posture. Because that was the posture of Jesus. He became a servant. Jesus has 24 hours. 24 hours with his, with his disciples. The last 24 hours. They walk into the upper room. It's a rented room. They walk into the upper room and they find two things, a towel and a basin. That's in that upper room. Usually there would be a host that would, as they come in, they would wash the feet of the people coming in with the towel or with the basin and dry their feet with the towel. All the disciples know the protocol. None of them do it. They all just go sit down around the table ready to eat. Jesus gets up. He takes the basin. He takes the towel. This is last 24 hours that he's got with them. And he teaches them one thing. I'm here to serve. Peter says, no. No, you shouldn't do that. I should be doing that. Jesus says, keep quiet, Peter. You don't know what you're talking about. Peter's like, okay, then wash me from my head to my toes. Because I need it. Jesus teaches us in the last 24 hours of his ministry to be servants. If you have 24 hours left, what would you teach people? Invest your money. You know, what, what do we teach? 
Or will we teach the towel in the basin? What do we teach? What's the attitude of our hearts? And then the key is this in ending. In Genesis chapter 18 verse 4. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourself. He says, allow me to do this. Just allow me to do this. Let me do it for you. That old man didn't understand what I was doing. And I said to him, just let me do this for you. I don't know what God wants to do through this. I don't know if he's gone home and prayed to to, to God in heaven and said, Lord, help me. I'm a sinner. I don't know what happened in that man's life. I don't know if he'll end up in a church wherever he's going to be. But I needed to be Jesus to him. Let me be hospitable. Let me bring water. Let me provide food. Let me give you rest. Let me pray for you. Let me look after your children. Let me mow your lawn. I had to throw that one in. You must see my lawn. It's pretty big. You fill in the blank. You fill in the blank. Let me be your servant. Let me be your slave. Let me be a blessing. Hebrews 13 verse 2. Do not neglect to show philozenia, love to the stranger, hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Are you ready to entertain angels?